want to dive into the message. Uh, I'm excited about this fall season. My two favorites is really January, February, and then August, September. I love this season uh, because really it is a new season. Though it's not a brand new year, it's a new season. Uh, We got kids going back to school. Come on, somebody. Parents are like, praise God. Uh, He will stop eating all my food in the pantry. Uh, we're going to get a raise when our kid goes back to school. Uh, and, and so for us, it's this new season. It's a new rhythm. And, and one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to lead us into these new seasons. And August is definitely a new season. One of the things we do is we do 21 days of prayer, which Pastor Phyllis talked about earlier. And the, the whole goal of this is that God would pull us out of the summer slump. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting for us through the summer. Look, I went on vacation. I hope you guys went on vacation and you, you went to Disney and, you know, you got money. So you're out traveling and things are great and you miss some church. Well, let me tell you, we, we expect you to miss church during the summer. Like, I get it. Go on vacation. Come on, somebody. Just come back. So, so the key is come on back. And, and what I find is when people take vacation in the natural Sometimes it's easy for us to take a vacation from God as well. And, and August really tends to be a season where a lot of people's faith is actually at its weakest. Because they kind of took a little time off from God. Maybe you didn't get up and pray like you normally do because the kids are sleeping in, you're sleeping in. And so the whole goal of this 21 days of prayer is really, hey, we're going to pull you out of this summer slump. But the other thing we're going to do is this. We're actually going to begin to pray for the harvest that we believe is about to come. And so we're pulling out of one season and we're pushing into another season. Uh, We see in August, September, that's the highest visitor and salvation rates that we have here at the church. So, So people are saying, man, I've never been to church. I need to give God a try. Or maybe I hadn't been to church in a long time. I'm looking for a church. Or whatever the circumstance or situation, they tend to visit and to come and experience church in a higher level in August and September. Also, we've had almost 1,700 people give their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Many of those happen in this August, September, October season of growth. And so we're praying, God, would you move in the hearts of the people that we love, right? The key is this, the people that come to the church and experience God's love, most of them are people you love and know. I'll never forget when we launched the church, uh, we've been doing 21 days of prayer since the very beginning, and Phyllis and I, (laughs) I don't even know how we did it, but everything was actually inside of our home. Uh, like all of our leader meetings, our staff meetings, all of our prayer. So we would literally get up at 6 a.m. We'd be up at 5.15, 5.30. At 6 a.m., we'd have prayer at my house. And there'd be about 8 to 10 people praying in my living room. We'd start, power of God's moving. We're like, shh, hold up, my kids are asleep. Don't get too loud. God get crazy, but not that crazy. Come on, somebody. And so we'd all be praying. And, and then we said, hey, we're going to put names on a card of who we're praying for. Ronnie, you remember this? And Annabelle, some of our pastors here. Uh, Ronnie prayed for his whole family. I mean, all of them. Pete, Vince, all of just all Paul, all of them. And it's like we're praying for them and his parents and, and all the Morales, all 57 million of them. We put them all on the wall. <laughs> An amazing thing happened. 
We begin to pray and believe, God, you're going to move in their hearts. You're going to move in their life. They didn't even know we were praying for them. And lo and behold, over the next year, all the Morales brothers came to church, committed their lives to God. In fact, I got here at 6 a.m., and they're all over there setting up the children's environments so our kids could have church. They weren't at church before. Why? Because we're praying, God, would you move on the hearts and the lives of the people we love? And that's where this season is so powerful. I want to encourage you, get that prayer request card. Write the names of the people that you love, that you're asking God to move on. Why? Because God answers prayer. And then look, show up Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 a.m. We meet at the Dream Center campus. And we pray for an hour. And someone say, good Lord, like I'm good at trying to pray for five minutes. You mean we pray for an hour? I don't even know how to pray. Well, that's okay. We're going to teach you. What, what a great way for us to teach you. We get up, we sing a couple of worship songs, I give a, a nugget on prayer, we spend some time alone praying, and then we come together and we have targeted prayer where we pray for this city, for our families, for this church, and it's an hour where we refocus our lives and say, God, be the center of our life today and over the next couple of weeks and the rest of this year. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this, to come out and to join us, uh, make a shift in your schedule. You got to get up early and you know some of you aren't morning people. That's okay. I'm not a morning person either. I didn't even know God got up at 5 a.m. Come on somebody. Like God really? He does. And here's what I've learned that in certain seasons God will give you a grace to do what you normally couldn't do. And so ask him, God, help me to get up. I got rearrange your schedule. Ask God for a miracle. What are you believing for? Ask God, change some things in my life, and I'm going to make this a priority so that in this season my life is refocused. I've learned this. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And some of you are saying, God, I need a fresh start. God, I need something new. God, And, and God's like, here's your opportunity. Be a part of what I'm doing with 21 days of prayer. Now, if you can't make it to the campus, get up. Pray with us from 6 to 7 at your home or wherever you're at. The point is we're going to focus on putting God at the center of our lives in this season. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, as we talk about prayer... One of the biggest questions that I get all the time is, how do I hear the voice of God? Right, because that's what prayer is. Prayer is where we're talking to God, but hopefully you're not doing all the talking. I mean, we want God to talk back to us. And so we, we want to know, God, how do I hear your voice? And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And I want to dive right into John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. And this is really our theme verse for this series uh, as we're asking the question, how do we hear from God? In verse 3, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Now, Jesus is talking, and here he is the good shepherd, and he refers to us as sheep. Now, you know, if you don't know anything about sheep, you're like, oh, that's cute. That's so cool. No, actually, sheep are pretty dumb. So it's, it's almost like God is calling us a little bit dumb in the fact that we really can't do anything apart from God. And I think when I've learned this, that God really, I, I can't have a great marriage. I, I, I don't know how to lead a great church. I don't know how to be self-disciplined. I don't know how to raise my kids in this crazy world apart from you. Why? Because wisdom of man will only take me so far. God, I need you to lead me in every area of my life. I need the good shepherd to lead me. And there's this dependence of God without you, I'm never going to make it. 
And it says, he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. So he's leading us. And it says, and his sheep follow him because they know his what? His voice. So as sheep, we know the voice of God. We develop the ability to hear what God is speaking. It says, but they will never follow a stranger. So, so when he's talking about a stranger, the reality of that is competing voices. There, there are a lot of voices in this world and in this life that are competing for your attention. And the Bible says we will know his voice. We're not going to get distracted with other people's voices, other, the stranger's voice. It says, in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So Jesus, we know you're the good shepherd. We know that we are sheep and that we are called to hear the voice of the good shepherd and then to follow the good shepherd as he leads us. And I want you to know this, that God still leads us today. He's not silent. Aren't you glad we serve a God that is alive and well? He's not on a shelf. He's not in a grave. He is alive and well on the inside of us, and he still speaks to his people today. And what we've got to do is learn to distinguish the voice of God. God, you're speaking, so how is it that I can distinguish your voice? Why? Because we got decisions to make. Look, some of you have got decisions to make with your job. You've been on your job for, for several years, and there's a new opportunity, and you're wondering, God, is that an opportunity from you, or is that a distraction? I mean, no, you need to hear the voice of God. Uh, some of you got a lot of kids like me, a whole bunch of them. And, and, and we get into the fall, and you've got to make decisions. Which sports are they going to play? How many know they can't play all of them? Come on, somebody. I'm not going nuts. But you can play one. And so I've got to say, okay, God, which, which sports do you want my kids to play in? Some of you are trying to get out of debt, and you're asking, how do I get out of debt? Well, if you'll hear the voice of God, he'll give you a plan to strategically get out of debt and to live in the abundance that he's called you to live in. Some of you got friendships, people that you're, you're not sure if you should still be friends with, not because they're bad people, but they're going in a different direction. You got to say, God, what, what, what do you want me to do? How, how, how do you want me to go? How do you want to live my life? We, we've got to hear the voice of God. Again, remember, we are sheep. And so if I recognize that, God, I need your voice in every situation. And that's what Proverbs 3, 6 says, listen for God's voice in, in everything. And look, it says everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. So what does it mean, Pastor? That means everything. So I love about 21 days of prayer. It keeps us recentered and refocused. So, so God, how do I respond to this text? How many know if you would have asked God how to respond to the text that you got that you were frustrated with getting before responding, you would have saved that relationship? Anybody ever got that text and you're like, oh, I'm going to tell them off. Oh, yeah. And you tell them off and now the, the relationship has been wounded. Maybe that email, somebody blasts off and you're going to show them and you're going to respond. And so what should you do? God, I need to pray first. God, I need your help. When in every situation, in every circumstance, God, I need you to lead me so that I go in the place that you want me to go. Sometimes we just pray to God when we're in trouble. 
Oh, God, help me. Come on, students. You know what I'm talking about, that test, that pop quiz that you didn't know about, you didn't study, you, you hadn't been studying. You're like, oh, Jesus, just help me. That holy multiple choice. Lead my pencil. Is it A? I'm not feeling A. Oh, it must be. No, Lord, I heard you say C. It must be C. You know, you're praying. It's, it's the emergency prayer. Oh, God, you're late to work for the 17th time. God, don't, don't let them fire me today, Lord. If you let me keep my job, oh, God, I promise never again. You know, we just pray to God when it's an emergency. No, no, he says in everything, when in all times, in all situations. God, we're going to focus on you. See, God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. God's always speaking. The question is, are we hearing what he is saying? And that's where this morning, I want to talk about that. How do we hear when God is speaking? If he's always speaking, how do I make sure that I can hear him when he is speaking to me? In Luke chapter 8, verse 5 through 8, I want to talk about the parable of the soil. Uh, this is an amazing parable that, that Jesus uses to talk about the soil of our heart, that God's word is the seed, that he's speaking to us. But the, the words that he speaks, it actually falls on different soils, and he talks about four types. And depending on the soil that it falls on depends on the, the harvest that is produced. And look in verse 5, it says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. So he's going out, he's sowing seed. He was scattered the seed. Some fell along the path, that's the first soil. It was trampled on, the birds ate it up. Second soil, some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Here's the third soil. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. And when it came up, it yielded a crop of a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, we want to hear what you're saying, that, that God, it's not that you're not speaking, it's just that we're not hearing. And so, God, I'm asking this morning, help us to hear your word as you begin to speak to our hearts on what kind of soil we are. Because this parable, it's interesting, Jesus doesn't often go back and describe what he meant in the parable, but this one he actually does. And he talks about what this actually means to us as believers, and look at what he says in verse 12. And, and this is what you have to know as we talk about it. You are one of them. We talk about the four soils. You, don't, you can't just say, uh, well, it's one, two, three, four. No, God, I must be the fifth one because I don't see mine up there. No, no, no. You are one of these soils. And, and look at what he says in verse 12. Those along the path, so it's the first soil, it fell along this path and it says, they are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and will not be saved. And so when we see this, it's that the word of God was, was planted in their heart. So here is what I know. It's like you came to church on Sunday. You showed up. It's awesome. It's amazing because the fact that you're here, God can deposit seed inside of you. And, and that's the beauty of it. Maybe you, you went to next steps. You said, man, praise God, today I'm going to take my next step. I'm going to get engaged with the vision. I'm going to learn my purpose. I'm going to start serving. I want to get connected. It's awesome. They share the word of God. It's deposited into your heart. Maybe you go to small group. And you're like, man, I'm not just showing up on Sunday, but I'm going to small group. And, and somebody's got a small group and they deposit the word of God on the inside. It's not that the word's not going inside of you. The, the fact is that when it does, the enemy comes and he steals it. 
And so what kind of soil is this? This is what we call the polluted heart. The polluted heart. That God's trying to speak to you, but the problem is there's junk that's blocking the word of God that was deposited. And, and so what we understand is that pollution happens in a couple of ways. Number one, it's what I do. It's some of the sins I commit. I mean, you know, we can commit sins that begin to pollute our heart. Uh, one, one of the things you do is what you watch. You know, you, you can watch something. Have you ever watched something and you're like, ooh, that's, ugh, that didn't sit well. Like, it doesn't matter who else is watching it, but you begin to feel your heart grieved. Or maybe you're listening to the, to the song, like, uh, in my feelings, you know, it's a big viral sensation. Well, if you ever listened to the song, like, I don't, I don't mind the viral sensation, but if you ever heard the words of it, it'll make you gasp. You're like, oh, my God, that is terrible. And so we, we fill our hearts with this blue. Someone said, well, pastor, let me ask you this. Can I watch a PG, PG-13, R, mature? Like, like, where's the line? Here's what I would tell you. You'll have to figure it out. God will speak to you. I'm not the one to tell you what you can and can't do. I mean, no, thank God the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us and let him speak to you. But this is what I've learned. Anytime I get that feeling of, ooh, I probably shouldn't be here. I mean, no, you probably shouldn't be there. And so the Holy Spirit, and, and, and I've watched this too, where I begin to watch something that I shouldn't watch. Other people are watching it, but I know better. The more I watch it, the less I hear God speak to me. What will happen is you're like, ooh, the kind of, and then, and then they're cussing and saying all those things and doing, and you're like, oh, it's, it's not so bad. And then, then before long, it's not bad at all. What's happened is your heart has become polluted and calloused. And God was speaking to you at the very beginning, but you've allowed the pollution to block God from speaking to us in our lives. So, so what are you watching? What are you listening to? Where are you going? Who are you hanging out with? Those are all things that you do, but you can also have a polluted heart because of what other people do to you. So now someone that you love, whether intentionally or unintentionally, has offended you. They didn't say something. They did say something. You're, you're, you're now angry. You're offended. You become bitter. What happens is you love that person. Otherwise, they wouldn't have that impact. But you've allowed their action or inaction to now pollute your heart because you're full of offense. Like you should have. I can't believe it. Just how dare you. And what the enemy has done is he has set a trap to pollute your heart. Why? Because if your heart's polluted, you won't hear from God. And so you've got to recognize that as a trap so that we can acknowledge it and then hear the voice of God in our lives. Now, Phyllis and I are so blessed. Both of our dads are still around. My dad is, I think he's back in the back. What's up, Paul? Paul? What's up, Daddy? Back there in the back. And Phyllis's dad lives a couple of hours away. And uh, we love the fact that we still get to spend time with our dads. Well, Phyllis's dad comes around uh, probably every couple of months. And he says I'm his favorite preacher. Come on, somebody. So I love that. You know, he's got a special place in my heart. And, and so, but over the last couple of years, it's been very interesting. He's 73 years old. And he's very healthy. Uh, fit. He works in the garden. I mean, you wouldn't even realize it. He just, he looks really great. Uh, but we noticed he's getting hard of hearing. Like we'd say, hey, what's up, Bob? Try to have a conversation. And he's, he's like glazed eyes and you're trying to talk to him. He didn't hear you. And then you do this. He's like, oh, hey. And he's talking and, and, and just real hard of hearing. It'd be at Thanksgiving, sitting next to him and say, Papa, you want to roll? He didn't hear nothing. Hey, Papa, you want to roll? He didn't hear nothing. Papa, you want to roll? It's not that bad, Phyllis. I know. I know it's not. I know. A little dramatic. <laughs> he takes the role. And really, it started to affect his whole life. 
Like you couldn't really have a conversation unless you're looking at him and every once in a while you could just tell. It just, it was bothering him and bothering everybody else. We're like, Papa, you got to go get hearing aids. And he'd been procrastinating, didn't want hearing aids and finally goes to the doctor and the doctor checks him out and says, Phil, it's to, to her amazement, Phil, there's nothing wrong with your ears. He's like, what? No, just joking. What? <laughs> A little dramatic. She's like, there's nothing wrong with your ears. He's like, what is it? She said, it's earwax built up in your ear canal. See, now, I didn't know this, but there's actually two types of earwax. There's soft earwax, and then there's hard earwax. He has hard earwax, and he'd been putting a Q-tip for years in his ear, pushing the earwax in his ear canal to where he couldn't hear. She said, oh, we're going to fix you up. She flushed his ear, and he said the most amazing thing happened. His ears popped, and he could hear like he was a baby. Like his, they just opened up. It was all brand new. And the only thing that was wrong with him is it wasn't his ears. It was the wax that was blocking his ears from hearing. Amazing. I wonder if that's not the case for us as well. That there is things that just block what God is speaking to us. That it's not your ears. See, for a long time you said, God, it's me. I'm the problem. There's something wrong. Maybe you said it was God. God, you're not speaking because I can't hear. And the truth is, it's got nothing to do with either one of you. It's just the pollution that you've allowed to block what God is speaking to you in your life. God, I'm not going to allow myself to live with a polluted heart. James chapter 1, verse 21. Look at what it says. Get rid of... Get rid of. Everybody say, get rid of. So I got to get rid of it. Look, he says, filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message that God has planted in your hearts. For it is strong enough to save your soul. So that means you've got the work to do. So you can pray to God all day long. You can come in at the end of service and say, pray for me. We're going to pray for you. God's power will touch you. But the truth is, if you keep listening to what you're listening to, you keep watching what you're watching, you keep doing what you're doing, you allow that offense to sit there, what's going to happen is you're still going to have the blockage that will keep you from hearing what God is speaking. Some of you got to forgive. It ain't easy, but you got to forgive. Why? Because forgiveness is for you, not for them. Most people haven't even realized that you're mad or offended at them, and your life is being derailed while they go on and live their life just like normal. And it's a tactic of the enemy that he wants to block you from hearing from God because when we hear clearly from God, we get to live our best life right now. And God, I'm not going to live with a polluted heart. I choose to, to hear clearly because I get rid of the junk that has tried to infiltrate my life. Look, let's continue to read for the second type of soil. In verse 13, it says, the rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a little while, but then they wilt under the hot winds of testing as it blows. Now, how many know we're going to have some testing in our life? That the, the hot winds are coming. I, I, I always say this, we're either going into a trial, we're in the middle of a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. That's just life. Like, oh, that don't sound so positive. No, I'm positive. You're either going into a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. Like, it's just the way life is, and so we have to realize that, God, I'm not going to be like this plant that withers away, and I'm not going to have what I would call the distracted heart, the distracted heart. See, God's speaking to us, but we get distracted. We get easily distracted by the competing voices that are vying for our attention. How I many know there are a lot of things that are vying for our attention in this life? 
uh, Phyllis and I, we get to uh, spend the time necessary to, to raise an amazing family. We got four kids, and then it's me and her. And one of the things that we do is we have an anchor to where I eat dinner, and her and I eat dinner with our kids four to five times a week. Like life gets busy. If I'm not traveling, which I just came off of an extended traveling season, uh, we are eating dinner together every night. Every night. Why? Because we need to connect with our kids. And we'll sit down for dinner and absolutely the highlight of my day. And, and we'll be all around the dinner table. And I'll look to Phyllis and I'll say, hey, baby, how was your day? I always start off with her because she's the most important. Come on, somebody. Mama, mama is the most important. Without her, none of y'all would be here. And so I'm looking to mama and I'm saying, hey, how was your day? And she'll go, well, it was good to clean the house or, you know, went grocery shopping or I was working on my hosting notes or wh whatever it is. And we start to talk. And then all of a sudden, one of, one of my kids, Addison, she's down here on the front. She'll tap me and she'll, she'll say, daddy, daddy. And, and then she'll start talking and, and she'll say something like, a boy. What? What'd you, what'd you say? So, so I, mama's still talking, but now she said, oh, daddy, she, she said, daddy, there was a boy on the playground. I'm like, do what? Like, you're seven, and we're talking about boys. What happened? Well, he was picking on me. Oh, baby, okay, hold up. Caden Carson, posse up tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. I'm going to beat down a seven-year-old. Why? Because my daughter, come on, so, so she gets my attention. And, and then all of a sudden, Caden will be sitting across the table, and he's talking about football. And he said, Dad, you know, we did suicides today, and, and it was just terrible. I was throwing up. And, and so I'm looking at him. I'm like, that's terrible, man. Come on, but you're getting stronger, and it's awesome. He's like, I love it. And then Carson will start chiming in, and Carson will be talking about student council. Oh, today we, we planned our dance, and he's talking about all the details of student council. And then I got Raylan over here, and she's like, Dad, look, look at this. I got a scratch down my eye. The rabbit scratched me. I'm like, oh, a booby, boo-boo. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, your eye almost got cut out. <laughs> Terrible. And then all of a sudden, then Phyllis is like, hello, hello. And, and the, it's like, I was talking. Can I just finish this conversation? And it starts over again. And she never finishes. She's like, I would just like to finish one conversation at this table. <laughs> what was happening? Different voices are vying for my attention. They're all important. And the one that's the most important is the one that's neglected. But doesn't this happen with us and God all the time? I mean, think about the times you got up in the morning. Maybe it was 21 days of prayer, and you say, I can't go to the Dream Center, but I'm going to do it at my house. And, and it's 5.30 in the morning, and you're dressed, and you're ready, and you pull out your phone because that's what we use nowadays with our Bible app and our Spotify and our notes for our journals. And it's all right here on our phone, and it's amazing. And, and you start to worship God, and you start reading your scripture, and then all of a sudden that person texts you that you've been trying to get in touch with for a month you're like at 545 really like this is the one time you're going to text me is right now and you're like well I got to answer because they finally answered so you text maybe they call you at 6 a.m like I didn't even know you were breathing at 6 a.m oh well I'm not normally but today you were on my heart and and so you answer and the next thing you know what started off with one text with one email with one phone call your entire quiet time that you were going to spend with God has been robbed because of the different voices that have been vying for your attention. And the craziest thing, when you try to pray, you just got to know every distraction that could happen is going to happen. Why? Because the enemy knows if he can keep you from your time with God, he can keep you powerless and pitiful. 
He can't take your salvation, but he can take your effectiveness. And I mean, here's another thing. Like me, I, I, I'll sit down at my desk, and my desk is kind of a mess at times. And, you know, I pull my paper Bible down, and I'm reading through it. I try not to read too much on my digital apps. And, and then all of a sudden, I'll see this stack right here. And I'm like, but I could just move this right here with my OCD, and I'm going to organize this, and then I'm going to organize that. And then next thing you know, I'm praying, and then now all of a sudden, oh, I could move this chair. I could clean this. Now that mess is bothering me. And what started is just cleaning one thing. Now by 6.30 a.m., I've cleaned the entire house. Praise God. <laughs> Under the anointing. <laughs> Honey, you'd be so proud. Well, did you spend time with God? No, I got a little distracted. It's so easy for it to happen to us. I mean, the devil, you just got to remember that he doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want you to connect with God. And here's the thing. It doesn't even have to be anything bad. I'm not saying any of that is bad. The challenge is it is a distraction from the greatest relationship, which is God. I'm not going to live with a distracted heart. Let's continue to read in verse 14. It says, the seed that fell among weeds. Now, I don't know if you've ever had weeds. I've had some weeds. Uh, in my flower bed, we had some weeds in our garden. How many know you don't even have to feed weeds? Like you don't have to do nothing, nothing, nothing but neglect. Right? That's the only way weeds foster up and build up is when you neglect the garden, you neglect the flower beds, you just don't pay any attention, and those weeds tend to sprout up very, very, very quickly. And then look at what it says, weeds stand for those who hear but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the worries of life, the riches, the pleasures. And look at what the last part of it says. They don't mature. So here's the third type of soil. It is the immature heart. So not very, not very mature. Like, like you're saved, you love God, but there's really no depth to your life. Just a little bit immature. And you know, Phyllis and I, we love our family, love uh, Ellie, which she was down here earlier, we all, ooh, oh, my little, she's a year and a half old, Steve's youngest daughter, Steve and Stephanie's, and we got to keep her last month. Now, I, I just love it. You know, I forgot what it was like to have the, these little kids that we get to, to play with, but I love being an uncle uh, because I don't have to spank them. You go see your daddy. I'm just going to love on you. I'm going to spoil you, and, and we're just going to have fun, and it was so neat with Ellie. You know, she would say, Dada, and I'm like, no. Uncle, I look like your dad, dad, because we're twins, but uncle, and she'd say, dad, dad, say, uncle, and, and then she'd be walking around, and she'd say, titi, poo-poo, now, how many know what titi, poo-poo means? Yeah, we're going to check your diaper, false alarm, keep the TT and the poo-poo for later for your dad, it's awesome, you know, you just, and then she'd say, hot, that's another word she says, hot, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Hot, hot, that's awesome. And, and it's amazing to be able to speak her language. Now, how many know I can speak a little bit better than TT, poo poo, hot, uncle? But the challenge is she can't receive it because she is immature and young. I wonder how many of us, God's having to speak to us like we're children and babies. Not because he doesn't want to speak to us in a more mature way, but we can't handle it because we are uh -huh. the immature heart. 
the immature heart, the one that just, you, you, you save, but you never really have gone deeper. That, that's what the 21 days of prayer are all about. You, you've been coming to church a couple of years, but you've never done that. Here's the, here's the, the challenge. Let's go deeper. Let's, let's make this a staple of our life. Maybe you've never been to small groups. You've been coming, and that's awesome. You've been here at the church. It's amazing. But my, 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 my challenge to you is just go a little bit deeper. Go into small groups. Get involved in relationships. Go to next steps. Why? Because what's happening is you are maturing as a Christian. And the more mature we can become as Christians, the clearer we get to hear God's voice. Now, I want you to know this. I'm not saying you have to do those things in order to be here at the church. There are seasons where people sit. There are seasons where people come in wounded or they just, I just need to rest. And that's awesome. That's amazing. It just can't be that way for your whole life. Come on, somebody. Like, that's the beauty of what we're doing here at the church. I believe that the thing that sets us apart and, and makes us unique is our goal is to be better today than we were yesterday. I don't want to just come to church each and every week. How many know you can come to church for 20 years and at the end of the 20 years never be any different? Oh, you heard a bunch of good words, but the problem is until you engage in the purpose of God, until you engage in relationships that God has set up, you'll never go deeper. Why? Because God intended that we would need people, and then we would heal, and then as we heal, discover how he made us, and then go out and make a difference in other people's lives. You'll never experience church for all that it could be until you are on a team making a difference like God created you to do. That's when church becomes fun. Over 336 dream teamers serve each and every week because they feel like it now, because they're maturing in their faith, saying, God, I'm going to use my gifts, I'm going to use my talents, I'm going to use what you placed inside of me to make a difference. And so the key is, God, I want to go deeper in my life so that I can hear you more clearly. And again, listen, there's no condemnation, no judgment. Look, you go at your pace. But I would encourage you this, at what point do you engage? Can I get an amen? Look at what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. And this is the last type of soil. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Those who hear the word retain it and by persevering produce a crop. And so we would call this the prepared heart. The prepared heart. That, that God, it's, 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 it's been prepared for your word that's going to be placed on the inside of me. That God, I, my heart is ready to not only hear it, but to retain it and then persevere through whatever trial, whatever circumstance, whatever obstacle, whatever thing I need to persevere through. I refuse to let the devil steal the word that you have placed in my life. I know my family, they hadn't come to know you yet, but you gave me a word that they would come to know you, that as for me and my house, we would serve you all the days of my life. I choose to hold on to that word. I'm not letting go of that word. And in fact, in the 21 days, I'm asking you to do a miracle. You hold on to it regardless of what you're faced with. I'm not going to let go of it. My heart's prepared. My heart is diligent. And so for us this morning, really, what we can do is there's three things to make sure we have a prepared heart. The first one is you got to repent. Maybe you find yourself in one of the other conditions of your life. And this morning you say, my heart, I don't know that it's really a prepared heart. Maybe it's distracted. Maybe it's polluted. Whatever it is, maybe it's a little bit immature. Today, God, I repent. And repentance is this. It's not just saying I'm sorry. You could say you're sorry and not repent. 
A lot of sorry people that don't change in their life. Why? Because repentance is, I was going this way, God, I'm turning this way. So I might have been offended, I might have been angry, I might have been mad, but God, I choose to forgive. I'm going to walk in grace, I'm going to walk in forgiveness, I'm going to choose to allow myself to forgive the person that has wounded me. So whatever it is, I used to watch this, I used to listen to this, God, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to erase my playlist, I'm not going to watch those movies, I'm not going to go to those places, that's repentance. I'm going to turn and go the other way. Can I get an amen? amen. Second thing is you got to refocus. Just recenter your life. God, you're the center. What does that mean? So when you talk about refocus, here's the interesting thing, that means everything revolves around this one thing. That means you get up early in the morning. Some of you need to make that commitment. God, I'm going to get up early again. Maybe you tried before and you failed. Maybe you tried and you got tired. Whatever it is, you say, I'm going to renew my commitment to get up early, to pray, to listen to worship, to make God the focus of my life. You just refocus it. And, and it's never easy to refocus, but it's always worth it. The devil is a liar. So, I, I, man, I can't tell you how many times I have failed I think I told you this this last year, and it was, it was interesting. I am the most undisciplined person you'll ever meet. <laughs> Y'all got quiet. I remember, I used to sleep into like 11, 30, 12. I'd be like, whoo, you know, as a teenager. It was very interesting. I told the church that. I think it was last year, Mom. I'm the most undisciplined. And she said, you know, I just, I, and this is Jesus' sister talking to me. I just want you to, you're not undisciplined. And she said, but you know, I thought about it. She said, you used to be. You're right. Now, you're not that anymore. You made decisions. But at the core of you are, of the center of who you are, you, you really were a little bit undisciplined. And I tell you to say this. Discipline is not a disposition. It's not like I was born disciplined. Woo! I have the gift of discipline. Ta-da! No, no. You know what discipline is? It's a choice. It's this choice and this choice and this choice and this choice and this choice. And what will happen is my, my discipline is to go every day to 21 days of prayer. So I don't have to worry about the 21st day. All I got to do is worry about the first day. Set my alarm. Get up the first day. Then guess what? Set my alarm, get up the second day. Guess what? Set my alarm, get up the third day. Discipline is a choice. See, we are all undisciplined. It's choices that we choose. It's, it's God, I choose to pray. God, I choose. And, and, and that's what we have to have the hope in, that God, you give me the power to make the choice win right now to live the disciplined life that you want me to live. This, undisciplined is, is an excuse. And God, we're going to get rid of the excuses. And here's what I love. I'm going to take responsibility. See, if I'm always using an excuse, it's your fault. If I'm blaming, it's your fault. But when I say it is my choice, I take full responsibility. Now I'm a victor, not a victim. Why? Because I have the power to choose to do the right thing. The third thing is this. Here's the last part that you got to get if we're going to have the, the right heart, if we're going to have a prepared heart, and that's got to revive. God, revive me. Some of you have become cold and dormant. Yeah, I was thinking about this, even in the preparation of this message. It's easy for us to lose the fire. I mean, think about when God saved you. Think about it. The most amazing thing happened. 
I mean, right, you were, maybe you're out in the club and you're getting attention from the wrong people. Or maybe you're broke. Maybe, maybe you're workaholic. Maybe you were wrapped up in a form of godliness and you were religious. Whatever your circumstance or situation was, look, I was strung out on drugs for five days. I wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for me. And I'll never forget in the bathroom, surrendering everything to him. And said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You saved me. And you've heard my story. But here's what I know. Every time I start to be complacent, I go back to that moment. God, you saved me. I was headed straight to hell. I was so messed up, I couldn't see straight. I was hopeless. I was, I was unlovable. And yet you, the God of heaven, loved me. Here's what I know. That next day, we woke up. I didn't care who knew. I was out there talking about God. I wasn't worried about being embarrassed. I wasn't worried about what it would cost me. I wasn't worried about sleep. I wasn't worried about money. I wasn't worried about giving to this or that. My whole focus was, God, you saved me. I'll do anything you ask of me. Whatever it is, I don't care. There's no price too great. Why? Because the fire and the love and the power of God was on the inside of us. And some of us have been cleaned up for a little while. You forgot how messed up you really were. We begin to polish our story. We begin to look, oh, I wasn't that bad. No, you were a mess. You were a wreck. You know how it is. We kind of like whitewashed. Oh, it wasn't that bad. No, no. Let's just call it what it was. We were messed up. And that when God saved us, we would do anything. You want to have this kind of heart, you just got to say, God, revive that. Go back, think about it. Where were you really? What, what was really going on? How hopeless were you really? And then you begin to have that love for God. God, you love me, not because I did the right things, but because you're a good God. God, revive my heart. And then we just say, God, and I go back, God, I'm sorry when I become embarrassed. You know, we get a little polished up for church, you know what I mean? I, I love the fact that Phyllis and I, we continue to tell our stories. Why? Because it keeps it so real for us. I don't ever want to forget that. God, revive, God, revive where I become complacent or where I got comfortable and I, I'm, I'm just, maybe I got a little undisciplined or whatever it is. God, revive that fire. Jeremiah said that his word was in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones, that even when I tried not to speak of it, I couldn't hold it in. God, I want that. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. I want that inside of me, God. Just a fire inside of us. Yeah, well, you look a little crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, you probably will. Maybe a little fanatical. Yeah, probably will. But I'll tell you this, you'll also be real. And you know what this world is hungry for? Not religion. We're not looking to come. I know you didn't come this morning saying, I just need something to do at 1130 a.m. Let's go watch pastor. Woo! No, no. Why'd you come? Why? God, we just real, Father, touch us. Fill us. God, we don't need another thing to do. We're not trying to be a part of a social club. You raised us up to be an army. And the way we do that is we live fully prepared for you. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. God, I'm asking you, speak clearly to us. Next steps, what you want us to do, where you want us to go, how you want us to live this out. 
Stir it up. Holy Spirit, stir up the fire and the passion. Just, just as you have done in me in preparing for this, God, let us not be dormant. Let us not be complacent. But God, let us be fully engaged, fully surrendered, fully alive to your purpose. That, God, you could have your way. Whatever you want to do in a man, whatever you want to do in a woman, God, do it. Whatever you want to do in a church, do it here in this church. Whatever you want to do in a city, do it in our city. Whatever you want to do in a county, in a region, God, we're asking you, have your way. Lord, I pray over any blockage in people's hearts. It isn't earwax. It's not something physical, but God, there are things that have polluted hearts. God, would you just break it off. Lord, help them to recognize it and take the steps to walk through the cleansing that only you can bring. Cleanse them right now. God, those that are not maturing at the rate that you've called them to mature, whatever is stopping them, God, I'm asking, Father, would you move in such a supernatural way? Give them the ability to take steps to be disciplined. God, those things that have distracted us, those things that have caused us to lose sight, help us to get rid of distractions. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, that we would live with prepared hearts. I pray for an open heaven. God, over these next 21 days, would you open up the heavens? Let us hear, let us be sensitive. Direct us, lead us, guide us. I pray for miracles to take place. Miracles in families, miracles in marriages, miracles in individuals. Lord, even healing bodies. God, I'm asking for this to be a miracle season as we pursue you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There are some of you here today, and you recognize right now that you do not have a relationship with God. I want you to know this is your time right now to respond to his presence. Maybe you're thinking, look, I've done a lot of bad things, things that are wrong, that I'm ashamed of. You think, well, I don't know if you'd love me. I, I know a God who loves you. He loved you so much, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, all man, all God, to live a sinless life and to willingly lay his life down on a cross to be crucified so that you might be saved. Amazing thing is when they put him in the tomb, three days later, he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and God's resurrection power is in this place. And the amazing gift of salvation is that you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. None of us do. None of us can. It is a free gift from God that we receive by grace through faith. What's that mean? We believe, Jesus, you are Lord, that you were raised from the dead. And the Bible says, confess him. And in this moment, we're saved, salvation. And I believe there's some of you in this place right now, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm speaking directly to you. You're ready for that fresh start. You're ready to surrender everything to God. And in this moment, right now, if that's you, just slip your hand up real bold. Just as an act of surrender, just in this moment, you and me, just slip your hand up. Say, that's me. I'm ready right now to surrender my life to him. Come on, so good. So proud of you so proud. Church, tell them how proud you are. Put your hands down. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the condition of your heart, the belief of our hearts. Just say, God, thank you for today. Forgive me of all of my sins. 
make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You rose again so that I might have everlasting life. I surrender my life right now to you. I give you everything. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you my future. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God this morning. Thank you, Jesus.